love you with us so much. We bless your name today, Lord Jesus. There is no one else in this entire galaxy like you, no one that we would rather be here to meet with, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would shift our focus back on you. Thank you, God, for your love, for your peace. We pour that all back on you right now, God. We lay it at your feet. We just want to love on you today. We want to worship you, God. Not for what you do or or we're expecting you to do, but just for who you are. God, let your peace flood this place, fill the hearts of everyone here today. Let your overwhelming love overtake us, God. Let it be so much, God, that it flows out of us, that we would take on this world with the love of God, that we would bring people to you, God, into your kingdom to know you because of the love that you display through us. We honor you in this place today, Lord Jesus, and we invite you here, God. Open our eyes and ears that we might hear something new today, God, that we might receive something new, something fresh from you today, God. Help us to receive it with the right hearts and the right minds as we move forward into this service today, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Give, Give God a praise. praise. Come on. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Amen. Love seeing all the orange jerseys. Kyle's wearing an orange and gray shirt. I don't know. Is that Bronco? No, just Coles or something. Just kidding. Man, welcome to Hill City Church. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, my name is Paul, part of the leadership team here. And uh, we're just so uh, thankful that you guys come to, to worship with us, to praise, uh, just to, to live out your, your Christianity. And uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I've been telling people, uh, I love, just, just say these words. I'm going to say it first, okay? And then you're going to say it after me. You don't have to say it. But I love being a Christian. Oh, that was like so lame. I love being a Christian. Say it with me emphatically. I love being a Christian. Amen? Man, do you guys realize it's, it's, uh, we get so, I think, bogged down in our religious sometimes. We just forget about the beauty of being a Christian. And I'm not here to be like self-help and all talk and cheery this morning. But do you realize the story that we're part of? You realize we're part of this big, hey, Stan, we're here part of this huge story of this long story of God being alive and, and active in our, in our earth. That there was a fall, there was a, a creation a long time ago. There was a big fall and there's redemption. And we're in the time where Christ came, died, and we're in this world where Christ is alive. Amen? Amen? And I know I'm getting a little deep here, but I was talking to my wife uh, the other day and I was, I was, I was say, say the good old days. The good old days are now. I'm going to say that now. And I know everybody thinks the good old days is always like this sweet moment in your childhood 
or when you're working. My parents are retired, so I want to tell you, Mom and John, the good old days are now. My, de- my stepdad used all the time. And what is the good old days? Well, it could have been in the 40s. It could have been in the 60s, 80s. It's a previous time in your life where time, where life was good, right? And, right? and that infers that right now it's not good, I think. It doesn't have to be it's bad, but right? The good old days were those. And I think we, we remember that. And we talked about lamentations last week. We, we remember the past. But I, I want to just remind us that the good old days are now and the good old days are in the future. The good new days. That's really cheesy. But I tell my wife this. Uh, does anybody ever get scared of movies when they watch scary? Anybody like scary movies in here? I hate scary movies. Um, a few people raised them like, sort of. But I, 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 my wife is one of those people that gets really, really uh, invest, emotionally invested in a movie. If you know what I mean, like we're watching a movie, Rico, and she's like jumping and scared. And we were watching Lord of the Rings the other day. Lord of the Rings fans? That was really, really over emphatic there, Anthony. That's okay. We'll take it. Love Lord of the Rings. And I introduced it to my son who's nine years old. And uh, anyway, that's another story. But my wife was watching it. Uh, we were in the p- part where the Nazgul come. The Nazgul are the ring race, right? They're the dead kings. All right, we won't, we'll leave it there. They're quite scary black horses with red eyes. And my wife's seen this movie three or four times, right? The whole thing. She knows how it ends, and yet she still gets freaked out watching this movie. I'm like, Frodo's not going to die, <laughs> right? He makes it through. The ring goes. I'm sorry if, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, I know, I gave it away. I'm so sorry. But we know the end of the story, right? She's seen it, and yet she still gets scared. She still gets fearful. And as Christians, I'm going to speak to the Christians. We know the end of the story. Fear not. We know the end of the story, Len. We know that at the end, we had creation, we had fall, we have redemption. There's going to be a new creation where God comes back and fully redeems this broken world. Fear not. Fear not, Hill City. Can we be Christians? Can we be a people that loves being a Christian, that wakes up. It's not about Hill City, this church, this thing, right? It's about living out your Christianity every day of our lives. At the end of the day, we know this story comes to a beautiful culmination of God establishing his glory. Can you get excited? Can I get an amen? Come on. God is good. God has told us and revealed to us in a, does anybody have a Bible? Here we go. I think this is a Bible. Oh, it's a journal. No, it's okay. Read this book, okay? Your worship, and I've been talking to Jen and the team, your worship will be that much greater by reading this book. By coming and work, the Bible commands us to worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. And I'm telling you, at the end of the story, it's a good ending. Just trying to tie it back to Lord of the Rings. The, fire, the ring gets destroyed. Yay! It's like the ring does get destroyed. And I feel like, man, I, there's, there's a good story Can you wake up and say, I love being a Christian. I love that I get to be part of the story, that God's forgiven me. And if you're new, maybe we should just do an altar call right now, John. Just kidding. But if you're new and this Christian thing and this Jesus thing is new, uh, Pastor John's going to bring an awesome message to you. And we invite you to be a part of this story, to be a part of this big narrative of this world and this, this religious thing that we do, this Christianity that we all get to be a part of. We call him king. So I just want to tell you, fear not. The, the story ends in a good way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Guys, come forward. We're going to give. If you're new, don't feel like compelled that you need to give. Don't feel like uh, you need to give any money. Uh, If you're a mature Christian, you want to give, awesome. If you're part of this church, be generous. Amen. Give to the kingdom. You're not giving to Hill City. You're not paying 
just to give to pay bills, you're giving to the kingdom of God that we may expand and impact our community, impact Thornton, impact our local area, impact Denver, the globe, U.S., etc. God, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your story. I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you had a plan for redemption to call your people back home. And I thank you for that we get to come into a place and worship you. Maybe we never forget that there's millions and millions of people around the world that are oppressed and cannot lift their hands and lift their voices to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. We are honored. We are blessed. We are thankful that we get to do that this morning, God. Bless Hill City Church. Bless the people in here, God. May we, may we discover and understand the story that you have for all of humanity and even down to our individual lives, God, that your will be done. God, the story is good. The story's not over, Father. And I pray, God, that the good old days are not behind us. They're before us as well, God. Lord, we look forward to it with anticipation. We glorify your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretend it's a good song. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, living on a prayer. No, I'm sorry. So the vo- obviously the volume's not connected. You can shut that down. But I, I always go to, uh, the, does anyone know uh, the Bon Jovi uh, li- uh, Slippery When Wet album? That was my first album I bought as, a, as an immigrant Korean. Just You can just imagine that I still had my Korean accent singing Bon Jovi at, at the age of, I believe it's like six or seven, and in Reno, Nevada. Uh, and we, I would be sitting on my porch with my cassette tape. I don't even know how I got that cassette tape. I think my cousin gave it to me. He said, listen to this, and it changed my life. Right? No. Uh, but it was one of the first songs that I, I, I learned and sang. And, but uh, just pretend that song was up there. It was really good. So uh, uh, let's clap like that was a good video. So, so, as a, woo! Thank you. That's, that was amazing. Uh, but good morning. My name is John. Welcome to Hill City. If you're a guest here, usually that works. Usually it's, uh, it's not living on a prayer, though. But I hope that you got to meet some people, got some pastries, got some coffee. I'm all coffeeed up, so hopefully I'm not too crazy. Uh, but I'm just glad to be back. I've been, we've been out, Candice and I, we've been out for uh, two weeks. We went on vacation to uh, the Bahamas. Uh, it was re- our, uh, we, so we took a cruise, and it was actually rerouted like four times. We were supposed to go to uh, St. Thomas and St. Kitts. Obviously, you can't go there. And so they rerouted us to Puerto Rico, and then the next hurricane hit. Obviously, you can't go there. And so they rerouted us to the Bahamas, and we got there. And then we were headed to Mexico, and then the next hurricane came in. And so we got rerouted back to the Bahamas. So high five. All right there. All right. But more than anything, I gained seven pounds. All right? So that, that's, that's positive, uh, I, I guess. Uh, someone, uh, Gio, told me this morning, hey, your face is looking more round. I said, thank you, Gio. <laughs> I said, uh, you must be uh, Korean because that's how Koreans talk. They're like, oh, look, your hips are big. You're like, fantastic, right? Yeah, you know they've been in Korea for too long when they do that because in, in the U.S., we don't do that. We don't walk around like, hey, hey, Paul, look at looking worse, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, how long have you been wearing glasses? They're very thick, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's, just, uh, that's just Asian culture. If you don't know, that's how I grew up. That's why I'm so damaged. I'm just, messa. I'm just, just messing with you. But just excited to be back. We went to the Bahamas, but in the middle of our vacation, I was talking to Candace, and I was like, I cannot wait to get home. And she's like, 
She said, I almost cried when you said that. <laughs> That's what she told me. But there's an excitement. There's an anticipation in my heart when I think about, uh, about Hill City and about us. It's not, it's not about a location meeting at a middle school, but it's just what we get to do. That like Paul was saying, if, if God is for real and that he created us and that we are in this moment, and, and we say around here sometimes like, you, it, it's amazing just to be here, just for you to like uh, be a human being. That was like, you're like one out of like 70 million swimmers, right? Like and you could have easily not been here. It could have been someone else in your shoes, but God chose you. God chose you. I know I'm not trying to get, that. that's just what happens, guys, all right? And so that, and I just think about my life. There could have been someone else in my place, but God chose me to be here. And it's not just by happenstance. I believe that we are here on purpose, that God has given us a purpose. And, 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 and so when I get here, I'm excited that new people get to, and people far from Christ would one day sit in these chairs and they come into this place not because they believe in Jesus. They come into this place many times not because they believe in Jesus, but they're saying, man, my life is kind of is messy right now and I don't have the answers for this going on in my life. I don't have the answers for my marriage. I don't have an answer for my children right now. I'm really stressed out and I need some peace. I need some hope and I hope that when they come into this place, they experience hope, they experience peace in Christ. And one day that they would make their step and say, you know, this Jesus thing, it is for real. It's changed my life. And I want other people to experience it. And that's who we are in this room. I think it's a beautiful picture of redemption that God creates us. And then, he, and then we fall and he redeems us through Christ. And we are continually to redeem. God doesn't redeem us to stop redeeming right? God doesn't change our lives so we just stop here and say, oh, I'm good. I'll take that. You know, this is not a consuming place, but, but it's a place where we understand there's people who need us, and then we have to be part of the redemption plan of God. Amen? Until he comes, until that day, until Frodo throws that ring into the, into the fire, right? Whatever. Until sin is blasted and broken, we are trusting in God and we are part of the redemption plan of Christ. And that's why he empowers us. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the peace of God? Why do we need all these things if we're not part of the redemption plan? See, we gotta, we got to understand God does things in our lives, even in our suffering and our good times, our blessings and his grace, not so that it stops with us. Salvation cannot stop with us. It must move forward. Amen? And so if you're a Christian, that is your plan. That is the trajectory that you're on. If you're not a Christian, that is the trajectory that I hope that one day you will be on, that God will bring peace, bring healing, bring strength to your life that, so that one day you would acknowledge him and he would bring redemption through your lives in Christ, in him, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when we can do that together, man, you will see a world change. You will see a city change. You will see families, young families change for Christ. And that's our vision around here. So today, of course, we are on part three of guardrails, right? And today, if, if, if uh, yeah, part three of guardrails, and, 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 and get, all right, part three of guardrails. And I know Paul did a good, uh, good job, and I, I got to watch it online. I was in Florida watching it, and, and it was, it's funny. I'm in Florida watching this, and I'm just like, I, I want to be on vacation, but I want to know what's going on, too. I'm just nosy like that, right? But it was just, it was just interesting just to, just to be so far away but to still be connected. And, and I love Paul because he, his heart for Jesus, but his heart for this church. 
It's not just like his heart is that, oh, I'm going to just do good things. No, he has a, 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 he has a conviction to grow this church, and I, I love him for that, and I thank you. And I thank the team and everyone in the background that makes this place happen. But we are on part three of guardrails, and what is a guardrail? And we're going to put that up. Guardrails are a protective system designed to keep us from straying into dangerous or off-limits areas. So you put guardrails on not in, in the danger zone, but in the safety zone. That's what Paul said uh, two weeks ago, I believe. I, when I was watching it, right? And so you don't let you, so the guardrails, it protects you, right? It directs you and it protects you. That's, that's, the, that's the job of a guardrail. You see him in front of uh, uh, bridges or you see him on mountainsides or you see him when the lanes are changing. You'll see a guardrail just in case you make a mistake or you get off track that it won't destroy you, that you might have minor injuries hitting a guardrail. But if you fall off a cliff, it's disastrous, right? You don't know if you'll return from that. You can return from hitting a guardrail, but you might never return from hit, falling off a mountain, which I've almost done in Colorado, by the way, right? I've fallen off track, and there was no guardrails, and if I would have fallen off track like 100 yards in front, I would have went off a mountain. Yeah, so that was a fun moment, right? But we've all have done something crazy like that. And, and, and I believe some of our greatest regrets that we have in our life financially, relationally, morally is because we've never set up guardrails in areas of our life that we might have trouble in in the foreseen future. So how many of you guys have newer cars? Newer cars like 2015 and newer, right? You're like, that's not new, John, right? No. Well, good for you. No, I'm just kidding. How many, how many of you guys have newer cars? Right. And uh, in, in your newer cars, you guys, anyone have the blind spot like detection system? Right. When you're driving it, you, when someone's in your blind spot, it's like beep, 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 beep. Right. And you're like, oh, don't turn there. It, it tells you what's in your blind spot and it beeps at you in potential danger. And, 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 and because we all have because cars have blind spots. Right. All cars, there's places in the cars you cannot see with your mirrors, right? And so uh, we all have blind spots in our lives. And it's called blind spots because you're blind to them, right? It's not, it's not like, oh, uh, it's not, I'm not really blind. No, it's called blind spots because you can't see it. You can't see the potential danger. And, and, and you're like, I don't really have blind spots, John, in my life. And what, I just want to say, don't buy into your own hype. Anyone who says, you know, I, I don't have issues like that, usually has issues like that, right? It's, it's funny. It's, it's the people that acknowledge that there could be a problem that can see better. But if you ever talk to like, uh, this is me, if I ever talk to young couples and they're like, oh, everything's perfect, everything's good, nothing's wrong, I'm just like, man, they have some blind spots, because they, they should be seeing some potential areas in their life that they could work on. We should all be, right? And we know that. And so today I want to talk to you about a place where that's most needed and most resisted of all. And yet if we could get this one area right in our lives as a culture, there would be, it would transform society. There would be less poverty less unwanted pregnancies, fewer children in the foster care, fewer abortions, fewer people in prison. And if we could get this one area right, it would cause so much good, so much healing. And I'm talking about the area of sex, love, and relationships. Sex, we're, we're talking about church and sex. Listen, God made sex, right? And, he, and God made sex, and it was good, right? Say amen, Candace. No, I'm just messing. Um, uh, but God made 
sex. Amen, right? And, and, and it, sorry, I apologize. I apologize. But you should have said it, right? Uh, but God made sex, and it is good. He said it was good, what he made. And, and I want to say this. Sex isn't everything, but it's good. It's good. Sex isn't everything, but it's good. And we need to talk about it. We don't need to ignore it like, oh, uh, in the church, we don't talk about sex. Well, it's in the Bible all over the place, right? Oh, we don't, well, we don't talk about it, right? We sometimes like to demonize it or belittle it. But guess what? Here's the problem. And I'm going to put up all these TV shows, right? Here's the problem about uh, our sexualized society. We're all in on it. These are shows we watch, Right? We are all in on the problem. And it's funny. We're like, society has an issue of sex. All right, turn on Game of Thrones. Right? It's like Lord of the Rings with a lot of sex. Right? We're all in on this problem. And we watch movies and shows and listen to music and we celebrate and we laugh about sex outside of marriage. And we, we, there's books themed, and we read about it. We binge watch on Netflix. I don't know if you binge watch on Netflix. I think a lot of people binge watch on Netflix, right? There's Grey's Anatomy, Game of Thrones, Friends. It's like we are entertained by this stuff. And then what happens when one of your friends has an affair? You're like, how dare they? How dare you? How dare you do that to your family? How dare you do that to your friendship? Don't you think about your kids, right? We start freaking out. I can't believe them. This is so absolutely crazy because our culture baits us to the edge of disaster and it shames us right when we cross the line, right? How crazy is that? And that's why we need guardrails around the areas of sex, love, and relationships. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 6. We celebrate the word of God because we believe it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. That's it, right? So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 6.18. And Paul writes this 2,000 years ago to his church plant in in a city called Corinth, Greece, right? And it's funny because he wrote this 2,000 years ago, but it's so relevant for us today. So they had the same issues. That was a sex-filled culture. And this was a young church. They met in a, a Grecian middle school, maybe. I don't know where they met, right? But it was filled with new believers, and they were dealing with the same stuff we're dealing with today. And I'm going to read from verse 18. And in the first words from verse 18, it says, if you have your Bibles, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. And before you think, John, you're so stupid and old. (laughs) I I I I know what I'm doing, right? But this is exactly what you would tell your daughter or your son. This is exactly what you would want your husband to hear or your wife to hear or your future husband to hear or your future wife, your fiance, or your, even your best friend. When it comes to sex, we would say, be careful, man. When it comes to love and relationships, we're like, don't just run into that. Be careful. Be careful. But we live in a culture that says, that says, that doesn't say flee from, but it says flirt with. You can flirt with it. It's not that bad. But then when you cross the line, you're like, how dare you? How dare you do that, right? It's, and then we say things like, it's just sex. It's just physical. We're just mammals, right? We, we say that, but I want to say this, and this might be a little strong. If sex is just physical, then why is rape so wrong? 
Why is it so damaging? Why is it so hurting when if sex was just this physical act? Understandably, we all know it's not just physical. There's tons of emotion. There's tons of baggage that comes with it. It's tons of pain. So it's not just physical. Automatically, let's shift our minds to the right place, right? Listen, the Apostle Paul, he's no prude or anti-sex. Christians aren't anti-sex. We, we think it's awesome. It's a gift. It's made by God for multiplication. And sometimes we're like, dear God, these children, right? For intimacy, it brings people closer, right? And for pleasure, that's right. It's in the Bible. It's there for pleasure. But also, he also gave us some guidelines to this precious gift. And Paul writes, flee from sexual morality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body, meaning sexual sin is unlike any other sin. That's what he's saying. And he's saying it's more damaging. It's not, it's not more offensive to God. He's saying sexual sin is more damaging to you. So this is not a forgiveness issue like God can't forgive you. He's not saying it's more offensive to God. He's saying it's more damaging to you and and to someone else, right? We can recover financially. We can recover professionally. Like if we made a mistake on the job, we can recover our health. Like Like if I gain seven pounds, I can lose seven pounds and get more healthy again in my life. But in the area of sexual sin, yes, we're forgiven, but we'll never fully escape the consequences of future intimacy, future relationships, and many times things that we've done in the past resurface again and again and again. And I just want to tell you firsthand that's true, right? That is true. Let me be clear. Sexual sin will make you a liar and a secret keeper for life. And I'm going to just get a little serious here. Not that I haven't been already really serious. That's just the plane I live in, right? But we admit bankruptcies, right? Like, oh, yeah, I've been to jail. Like, I've been to jail before. Like, Paul admitted that one time. I'm like, good job, Paul. High five. I can't believe you, right? Uh, and if you didn't know, yes. Uh, like, I've, I've gotten a, uh, you know, we will say, oh, I got a DUI. We'll say these things. But, uh, but, it, but when it comes to sexual sin, so many people in this place and so many people that we know and so many people that I've counseled, we hide our sexual past sexual sins, sexual addictions, and then we get into a relationship, we get married, and we're like, you're the one for me, and we say, I love you more than anyone else, you know me completely, and we make covenant, and we only tell a part of our sexual history because we're ashamed of it, or we are wondering what they would really say if they knew all of what we are dealing with. So we keep these secrets and we say a part of it so we, it gets off our conscience and we feel honest-ish, right? And, and, but we keep these secrets feeling ashamed, scared, making you a liar and a secret keeper and not being fully known, which was the intimacy part of marriage. And so sexual sin is different from other sins. That's what Paul's saying. Flee from sexual morality. Run from it. All other sin the person commits is outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So what does it mean to sin sexually? I'm going to just break down sin sexually. I'm going to break down sin and then sin sexually, right? In the New Testament, when Jesus talks about sin, this is what he talks about what sin is. Sin is always about hurting, stealing from, taking, or dishonoring another person. Right? Doing those things to God and then doing these things to other people. Right? Love God, love others. Those are the, those, that is the golden rule. Right? Anytime I put me before you, Paul, and I'm causing you harm to cause me good, that's sin. 
When I take advantage of situations for my benefit and not for yours, and I don't look out for you as I look out for me, in the view of Christianity, that is sin. That's how Christians should view sin in our lives. And, 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 any, and here's why. Here's why. God is our heavenly father, right? And any person, and in the Bible, that's what he wants to be. He's our heavenly father. And, and any person you hurt, harm, take, dishonor, is loved by God and is a child of God. Just like you and just like me. And then think about this. Listen, you can't be okay with me if you mistreat my kids. Just like, I don't, you cannot be okay with me if you hate my kids. It, it, it would just, it just changes the game. You could sing songs like, uh, John is so awesome. You know, I don't know. You know, we, we sing Jesus songs. You can sing songs. You can sing praises. You can read about me. And you could, you could, you could get a Jesus face tattoo, right? You can do whatever you want, right? But if you're not okay with my kids, you're still not okay with me. Think about that for a moment. And, and so with God, in that way, God loves you, but God also loves the person you heard. That is a child of God. And when you take this gift of sex made by God a, for exclusive covenant relationship, that's how we made it. And you spread it out, hurting many others and hurting yourself. And when you take from someone a gift intended and promised to someone else, and you sin against that person and sin against the other person, you sin against God. And that's sexual sin. That's what it is. God loves you and cherishes you too much not to make a big deal about that. And so Paul continues in verse 19, do you not know? And he's just saying, maybe you forgot. Maybe no one told you. Maybe you're not remembering this. Your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. And now this is another thing that Christians believe. We believe, and we're moving from consequences because sometimes we just sit on consequences. Oh, the, I don't want the consequences. No, it's more than that. It's identity, and this is what Paul moves into. You are a temple of God. You are a sacred place for God. You are an image bearer for God. You contain God's spirit. And, and, and whatever um, value of the what. Of the container, the value of the container is determined by what's in the container, right? Right? So, like, I love backpacks. I like bags. Like, I don't know why. I have a lot of bags, and Candace knows this. And, but I, I don't care if my bag was stolen and you gave me everything inside my bag. I'd be like, that's cool, right? But why do I get mad if I ever lost or my bag was stolen? It's the things inside, right? It's the things that it contains. The value of the container is determined by what it contains, right? And you contain the image of God, his spirit. You're precious to God. And so are people that you're in relationship with today. So verse 20, you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies bought with a price. There's a value on you that you have no idea. There's a value on the people you, we are in relationship with that we have no idea. It says we, value is determined by what we're willing to pay to buy it, right? And listen, God sees you so valuable that he was willing to purchase our lives, redeem our lives with his own life, with Jesus purchased on the cross, traded for you, to cover you, to redeem you, to pay off your sin, to pay off your debt so he could be with you forever. So you are so valuable. You are so valuable. So in the light of all this and understanding the consequences of sin that we are made in the image of God, 
that sin, sexual sin is different from other sins. It says, therefore, honor God with your bodies and honor others that were made, that are made in the image of God. And since we now know this, what if we loved people the way God loves them? What if we saw people? What if we see, I see people as God sees them? What if we serve people as God serves them? What, what if, we, what if we, 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 man, we give to people as God gives? I hope that it changes the way we view things and that it changes the way we view sin. Sin is not just bad for us. Sin, it hurts others who are made in the image of God. And that matters because they carry God's spirit. Now, I want to set some guardrails. Flee requires guardrails. Fleeing requires guardrails. You might, uh, you, this might sound extreme weird, but I, it might, I don't care if it sounds weird because normal's not working, right? Normal's not working. And it's funny. We're like, uh, you know, I, I can handle it. Handle what? If you're not prepared for what's about to happen, you don't, you're not, you don't even know what you're going to do. We, 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 we overplay how awesome we are. We, we think we're, we're like, oh, I can handle that. Then you go through it and you fall apart, right? Let's set some guardrails. Before you tune Grandpa John out, give me a few more minutes, and then you can judge me and, and tweet bad things about me, right? But I, all I want to do is make some suggestions. I believe this is what you would want to do for your child, your spouse, your future spouse, your brother, your sister. And here's my suggestion. Number one for my suggested guardrails, you got to talk about it. If you're married, dating, engaged, or wannabe, you need to talk about what you're comfortable with in relationship to your spouse relationships with other men or women. you got to decide together. Know what each other thinks. Know what's appropriate at work, among friends, online. You know, and it's funny because I, I, I always see like, oh, I'm just cool. I'm just a cool spouse. I just let them do whatever they want, right? I'm just like, yeah, you're the cool spouse until something happens. Then you're not that cool, right? They, I, I just, you know, I, I totally trust them. This has nothing to do about trust. This has to do about wisdom and how we actually feel about how, you know, what, what is appropriate for us. So talk about it. Just have a conversation with the person that you love or have a conversation with yourself. If you're single, we also need to set some guidelines of what we, what's appropriate for us and what we desire before we get into certain situations, Right? Number two, avoid eating alone, traveling with, or counseling, or taking counseling for potential, potentially problematic people. I'm going to say that again. Avoid eating alone, traveling with, or counseling, or taking counseling from potentially problematic people. And who are potentially problematic people? You already know. Right? We already know who are potentially problematic people. It's the same people we walk by their desk just accidentally, right? You're, you're, I'm just kind of, you know, I just like what they say about me, right? It's the person that you already know. There's something in you that already tells you they're potentially problematic. We don't need to be like, all right, let's figure out who that is. You already know. We already know that, right? We are attracted to them for some reason. We like to chat it up with them for way too long. You already know she keeps wanting to spend more time with you. You already know he keeps complimenting on you on, on your beautiful blouse knitted by your grandma, right? And you're like, this is nice, right? And it's, it's kind of flirting, but it's not, and you act like it's nothing, right? And it might be nothing until it's something. It might be nothing until it turns into something we need guardrails, bro. 
We do. We need it. You need to be alert. We need that blind spot detecting system. Why? Because we have blind spots. Because we can't see it. When it comes, you don't know, even know it's going on until, and it's saying it's, you're too close to danger. And I know guardrails isn't always possible. Many of us work with the opposite sex. Many of our bosses, we have to have lunches and dinners and travel with, and I totally understand that. Then be aware of that. Talk to your spouse about that and establish different guardrails. Maybe make a phone call before you go in, make a text, or communicate, 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 communicate. And listen, the issue is not the issue until it's an issue. It's not like, oh, I see the issue coming all the time. We set a boundary before we get there, right? And so no one plans to destroy their family. No one's like, I really want to destroy my family. No one plans to hurt the person they love most or hurt themselves. That's why we need guardrails. Church, that's why don't counsel women alone. First of all, I'm not a counselor. You might get really bad advice, right? Buy, haw, uh, buy high, sell low. I don't know what you're going to tell me, you know. Yeah, but I might give you really bad advice. And if you need help, I'll send you to people who can actually help you, who are equipped to help you. And number three, when you feel your heart, your attraction, your lust is drifting towards another person, that is not your wife or the person that you're committed to. You need to tell someone. You need to tell someone. If you're trying to keep a secret, that should be an alarm already going off. Something is not right. Why am I trying to hide this? Expose your desire. Maybe it's not at your, your wife or your significant other at first, but expose it. Tell someone, someone who loves you enough to smack you, right? Right? Someone who loves you enough, that loves your soul and loves your family enough, they would stand in the way, right? And correct you and give you well-needed advice. You don't need advice of that one dude who doesn't care about your family. He's like, so that's your needs, right? And get that person already out of your life, right? Don't ask that guy or that girl for deep advice about something that's so important to you. See, the power of sin is secrecy. It is. The power of sin is secrecy. As long as no one knows, you can continue, right? You, as long as no one, no one knows your porn addiction, you can continue it. As long as no one knows you and that coworker have been flirting for years now, you can continue it. You can grow it. You can keep lying to yourself like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Anytime you have to tell yourself it's nothing, many times, more than once, it's something, right? It's causing deeper damage, and it's harder to heal the longer it goes. So you got to reveal, and you got to bring into light what's going on. Number four, social media. What's, what's more awesome than social media, except uh, lately it's been in the statistics that's causing way more affairs and divorces, Anytime you figure out reasons why, what, what's going on, uh, Facebook or, or Instagram, they, they always pop up. And social media is weird because all you see, if you're, like, interested in someone in social media, if I'm interested in Candace and I'm single, all I see is her highlights, right? It's like, man, Candace's life is awesome. Like, she, she loves the Lord, and she sings songs, and her life seems perfect, and she seems all together because we are liars on social media, Right? We don't feel like, this is how I woke up. Look at my hair, right? <laughs> really, this front tooth is not real. <laughs> right? You don't put that stuff up. <laughs> right? You put up the best things about you. And then when you're believing in this hype and all this passion is starting to grow, all this emotion is starting to grow in a person you don't even know that's even fake. It's not for real. And then, and, and then it really pulls your heart. That's why when it comes to social media, we got to watch ourselves and we got to talk about that too. If you have all your ex-boyfriends on social media, it might not be awesome when you're going through some struggles. 
Just throwing it out there, right? It might not be that cool. And if you're married and in a committed relationship, you need to talk about it. And then not just say, they'll understand, they'll know. We're strong together. Yeah, I'm not saying you're not strong together. It's not an issue until it's an issue. Talk about it. Set guardrails and get some honest feedback. And if this sounds too extreme or too much to you, I want to ask you this. What in our culture and who in our culture supports you to remain faithful? Where, where, where are you watching TV shows like, you should not do this, just remain faithful. It's the thing to do, right? It's not, it might be Disney Channel, I don't know, right? But you're not watching that. But what in our culture supports your marriage? What in our culture supports your fidelity, right? Church, right? Maybe a few people, maybe family members and a friend, but not much, my friend. What helps you live responsible in the area of relationship and sexuality for you singles? Where? Where, 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 what says don't do this because I'm preparing you for less baggage, for better intimacy. There's men and women that are dealing with intimacy issues, hardcore. They, 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 they lack it in their relationship, in their marriage, because they, because they spread it out. Because they're addicted to things they shouldn't have been addicted to. It's for what prepares you for less pain and trouble in your future. Television, books, the internet, Tinder, like swipe right. Yeah, is this really preparing us? Maybe just a few of uh, the church and family members. But outside of that, we are bombarded with sexual images, porn, adultery. Our culture baits us to the edge. And when we step over, it crushes us. We need guardrails. Now, as we close today, let's stand. I want to ask you just one last question. Do you... If you set guardrails tonight for your life, if you're single or if you're in a relationship, if you're married, if you would set some boundaries for your life and you're like, you know what, this is how I want my life to be, do you think five years from now you're going to be like, man, I wish I didn't set any boundaries. I wish I had more sleepovers, right? Do you think you're going to be like, I wish I had more people I hope never to meet in King Supers again, (laughs) right? It's like, do you think we would be like that? I don't think so. It's, it's crazy because there's people we try to avoid or would not want run into because we had some incidences in our past. And do you think you're going to be like, I wish I had more of those incidences, right? We have to decide, flee or flirt. Flee is to honor you. Flee is to honor your spouse. Flee is to honor your family. Flee is to honor your friends. Man, have you ever been a and many, all of us have. Like you have, you feel like you have to pick a side in a divorce or in a breakup. That it's a horrible place where, where you're like, what? I wish you guys could work this out, right? It's hard, right? Flee is to, res- it's to honor your friends, your kids. Flee is to honor God and those he loves that, that are made in his image, that contain his spirit. And if you've been through this, man, I want to tell you, first of all, There is absolute forgiveness in Christ. This is not a forgiveness issue. I don't want you to carry future baggage. I don't want you to live more into that. The reason I'm being so strong is not to come against us, but I want to equip us so that there could be better intimacy, a better relationship for you in the future if if we would just set some strong guardrails for our lives. And let me tell you the truth. Uh, When we first got married, I dealt with jealousy so bad because we didn't set right guardrails. 
And so uh, Candace had this job meeting that she was at, and, 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 and she ended up with this one coworker that I felt like was a sleazebag. If he's listening, that's what I felt like you were, right? And I was like, how dare you, right? And I was mad at her, and then I would be thinking about it like this coworker is hitting on my wife, and, and, she, and he was, right? And, but I didn't trust her enough. That, that, and so jealousy started taking over. I'd be like looking at her phone when she wasn't around. I'd be, it would overtake my mind. And jealousy is such a powerful tool of the enemy. It will crush you, and it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy the very relationships that are so important to you. So before we even get there, we should have set a guardrail. So I'm, we are talking from firsthand experiences of things that could have destroyed our marriage, that really damaged our marriage for months. And I don't want anyone else to go through these moments or these things that overtake our hearts. And I just, I just pray it's for our healing and it's for our good. And so if you feel like I'm speaking against you, I am absolutely not. I'm trying to keep you from more heartache, from more heartache. And I want you to be healed by Christ. Let's pray. Let's pray. If you're in this room and more than anything, you just need healing. You need healing. There's some things that happened in your past, and it's your past. It is. I have a past. Let me tell you, I have a past. But you, you still need healing in that area, and you need God to just give you strength and give you purpose and identity found in him. Just raise your hand saying, you know what? I still need healing in that area. Thank you. All over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over that we can put our hands on. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand that went up and every thought that, every mind that was lit when we think about that because I know that they cause us pain and we have pain that we carry because we have done it or someone else has hurt us, Lord God. Someone has hurt us so deep, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that healing can come into this place, come into this room, that marriages could be healed, that singles could be healed, that divorcees can be healed and find their identity in Christ, Lord God, that you don't wave our history over our minds or our heads, Lord God. And you say, we don't say this is who we are. You say, no, you are my daughter, you are my son, and you are well loved by me. And I want you to have a beautiful future. And others of us, we need to plan. I pray that we make guardrails for our lives. But if you're in this place and God is speaking to your heart and he's calling you to himself and you need to take a step towards Christ and say, you know what, Jesus, I, God, I, I, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. I need a change in my life. If that's you, just raise your hands. I just want to pray for you as well. Anyone that needs to just give their life to Christ because they've been holding back. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that is taking a step towards Christ today. I pray for the Holy Spirit to just, man, fill their hearts and their minds and their lives. Let them know they are first forgiven and they are made brand new. And I pray that they are also on a mission, Lord God, and that you would fill their life with purpose. We thank you for speaking to us today. We thank you for wisdom, Lord God. And as we go today, empower us with just joy, Lord. I pray, I, I believe that this room needs joy today, Lord. Every, some, so many things in our life take and suck the life out of us. I pray you fill us with your peace and you fill us with your joy as we leave this room today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you guys for being here. God bless you. Get to know somebody next to you. If you need any, any, uh, any just need prayer with Paul and I and our team are up here to pray for you, but we love you guys and God bless you guys.